Hello, financial feminists. Welcome back to the show. I am back in town. The boys are back in town. I'm back in town after a wonderful month off. I honestly feel so invigorated. Like, truly, I do. I really needed the break for me, but also to show up as a better leader and a better business owner. And I'm really excited for a lot of exciting new things that are coming. And I'm just really excited to bring you new episodes this week. There are a ton of you who are new here. Hello, you're either coming from TikTok or maybe you're coming from my book also called Financial Feminist or maybe you're here from another podcast. So if you're enjoying our episodes, please make sure to subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcasting platform and you can set your device to auto download new episodes. It helps both you listen to episodes when you don't have Wi-Fi or when you forget to download them, but also helps us. Part of the success of the show is deemed in how many downloads we have. So when you just download even on autopilot, it really helps support the show. As always, we're just really excited to bring in an amazing guest. We're in the middle of Women's History Month, and we've already had some great guests sharing important feminist topics, and today's is no exception. You might know her from TikTok. That's how I discovered her. I'm obsessed with her. Ilona Marr made her splash on TikTok during the most recent Olympic Games, sharing her journey as a member of the U.S. women's rugby team. She graduated with a degree in nursing in 2018 and recently got her MBA from Keller School of Management, and she currently trains full-time for the USA Sevens team. She was such a fantastic guest to chat with. We talked about the financials of Olympians. Fun fact, most of them don't make a lot of money like very, very little money. And most of them don't actually get paid anything to go to the Olympics. We also talk about the current state of women's sports in the equal pay movement, what it's like feeling beautiful and strong as a woman, and so much more. So let's go ahead and get into it. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. One of the must-to-dos at the beginning of starting a business is getting a website because how can people find you? How can people find your products or your services if you don't have a website? This was me in 2016. I was wondering where to turn. I'm not a coder. What do I do? And I turned to Squarespace. I love Squarespace's tools like their email campaigns for you to be able to drive sales and engage your audience, analytics to see where people are coming from and what they're buying, and blogging tools to be able to share stories and photos and videos and updates. I have used Squarespace, like I said, since 2016, and they've been a huge impact in the business of her first 100K and impacting you all in giving you financial advice. And frankly, I couldn't have run my business without them. You don't have to know anything about how to code in order to build a beautiful website. Trust me, I don't. And Squarespace makes it super easy and very painless. Head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com ffpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We are supported by State Farm. If you have insurance for your home, your health, and your car, why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners I know think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but also I know for me, my business feels like my baby and I want to make sure all of my hard work and my team members are protected. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. time it's like for me you know I'm like oh no I don't think that guy probably doesn't like me there's no way like he's he's so high he wouldn't like me and then I'm like 
course, he's gonna like me. We're gonna be fine. Like, and it's like it's just been coming into like my own. I guess it's been like a journey myself, and like having this sort of power that you find within is like <laughs> I'm hot as heck. Yep. Well, and you realize, like, anybody who doesn't find me hot, like, I don't even take it personally anymore. I'm like, well, that's your loss. Okay. Same. Okay. All right. You're you're not it. That's okay. We'll move. We'll move along. Seven billion people in this world. We'll find someone. Totally. And then you get the men who like cannot believe their luck. They're like just so down and excited. That's what I need. That's what I need. I was just like hanging out with a guy who like. I just kind of tweeted about it. Barely asked me any questions. Like, I just was like, do you have any siblings? He's like, yeah, I have a brother. I'm like, did you want to know about my sisters who are the best things ever? And he like, didn't, didn't give me anything. I was like, that's all right. So now I know that's exactly what I don't want. It's all great learning experiences. Okay. Question for you, because I am extremely direct. I'm like the most direct person you'll ever meet. I have not mastered the after 15 minutes going, hey, you seem like a great person. I wish you all the best, but this isn't working. And I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to leave. I have not mastered that yet. I still sit through the first date even when I know. I'm going to be honest. I, I sit through the first date as well because I personally believe you can get a vibe from a person in the first five minutes. And it has nothing to do with their physical attributes, truly. No. I know yeah. within 10 seconds of meeting somebody whether it's going to go 100%, well or not. 100%. Like, and it's the way they carry themselves, their energy. Like, I know immediately. And there's been times where I want to be like, I'm just going to walk right out this restaurant. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not going to work. I, I had a terrible date once. And, like, this guy just, like, online, he was so funny. He was so, he was so cool when we were DMing. And then I met him in person. We, he picked me up and I got in the car and I was like, this is not the person I was, like, DMing with. They're not that funny. And then the date was bad. He watched an NBA game at the table. He was like, can I watch this game? And I was like, you know what? At this point, honestly, I don't even want to talk to you. So watch the game. <laughs> but we're in the car back to my, to drop me off. And I was like, so how do you think that went? Because he was <laughs> like, yeah, good. Customer feedback. Yeah. He's like, yeah, good. I was like, okay, I don't think that went well for me. And I'm not, I don't want to ghost you, but I will not be hanging out again with you. I love that. I had recently, I went on a date in New York and the guy was a little late, which he warned me of. That's fine. He showed up on the phone <clears throat> and sat down and continued to have a conversation. And I was like, do you need to take that outside? And he's like, oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm not your mom who needs to teach you manners when you show up. Like if you have a call, fine. If you're coming minutes late, I get it. I've been there. I'm a busy businesswoman. I get it. But like, take that goddamn call outside. Do not sit down at this date on the phone. No, 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 no. How do they do think that's okay? How do they think that that's... <laughs> I don't know, dude. I have no idea. I don't know. I have so many other... <laughs> I just... I, I have so many questions, but like, I, I love following you in general. You're so fucking talented and smart. And I know that you and I have very similar... Like, dating is hard. Dating's hard when you're confident and when you're successful and it's hard for women dating men. It's not easy. It's not, it's not easy and it's not fun sometimes. Most of the yeah. time. <laughs> Definitely not fun. Okay. Let's talk about rugby. We were a little shocked when we were researching you to know that you came to rugby kind of later in life. What was the interest there and what made you decide to go for it at a collegiate level? Yeah, I think rugby is a very special sport right now in the U.S. because 
it's not like soccer and basketball where you start super young and you're you're playing in a se- you know summer seasons, winter seasons. Rugby is really still coming up in the U.S. So when I was in high school, I've always been an athlete. I've always been a very good athlete, but I always wanted to play sports at the highest level. And the problem was is that rugby was never there at the highest level. So my dad's a rugby player. He's been playing for like 40 years now. And he would have loved if we played rugby, but he also wanted his daughters to play the highest varsity levels there was. So instead of like putting us in rugby that didn't have anything, he put us in like field hockey and I played basketball and softball. And then it wasn't until my senior year of high school where I was like, you know, I softball is not for me. I want to try something different. And my dad was like, well, you got to do something because I was just going to sit there, you know, my senior year, he wanted me to still do something. So I tried out for the local rugby team. And like, I mean, I think my body was just made for rugby. Like I immediately got it. And I just like immediately went out there and tackled and stiff armed and scored tries. And like, I think it was just, I found my place in rugby and so happy that I took that chance to try something and like, not just go, Oh, I'll just, I'll just play softball or oh, I just won't do anything. Like it's really changed the trajectory of my life. Just like trying out. You just mentioned you grew up as an athlete. What are some of the like emotional financial costs associated with being an athlete before you go professional that a random person listening to this might not think about? Yeah. I mean, so many sports I've played a lot of sports where it's like, doesn't have the most equipment. But a lot of sports, I mean, if you want to play hockey, you want to play football, you want to play all the sports, like the equipment needed for that golf. Oh, don't even start on golf. Lacrosse even, like equipment is so expensive. I mean, I buy cleats for myself now that are, they're like Nikes and they're like $260 for a pair of cleats because I we don't get cleats actually for free. So I buy my own cleats. So you are a, an Olympic athlete and you don't get your own cleats. You have to buy your own cleats. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing. And so $260 for a pair of shoes with studs on them? Scammers. Well, how many how many of those pair are you going through? I imagine that's not going to last you a couple of years. I do push them out for longer than I should. I probably do about like two pairs a year, but if I could, I'd love to like not really like wear them down until they're barely studs left, but that's like, you know, you have to go through. I mean, field hockey, you have to buy a stick that's 100 and something dollars. So and then if you want to play like AAU basketball and whatnot, like that is expensive and that the travel to get to the tournament. So that's like to be a D1 athlete, you know, you can be a great athlete as well, but you need to go to these tournaments to be seen by coaches, which are five hours away. You need to pay for a hotel there. You need to pay for food there. So the track to be an athlete is not a cheap one as well. It can, it, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time for, from the athlete and the parents and everything like that. And it's all the financial commitment, but also like the emotional commitment of like, I come from a theater background. I did athletics for a while. And then I was like, now nah, I'm doing theater and music and doubling down on that. And the joke was always like, oh, I can't do that. I have rehearsal, right? Like that was, that was always like, and I imagine for you, it was like, oh, I can't, I have practice or, oh, I can't, I have a game. Right. And like, in order to be laser focused on something, there's a lot of sacrifice that you have to make to your personal life, sometimes to like your relationships, because you're doing this thing, especially at a professional level. For sure. I think a lot of sacrifice, but I almost don't even, I guess I don't really call it sacrifice as much because like, it's something that I just truly want to do. Like, I just love it. I love it. Because in college, I did rugby and I also was a nursing major. And everyone's like, how did you do that? That must have been so hard. And yeah, it was hard, but I truly wanted to be a nurse and I truly wanted to be a great rugby player. So 
it wasn't a sacrifice so much as like these are just something that I it brings me joy to be a great nursing student and great rugby player. So that's something like, yeah, it would have been nice to go out with my friends more to drink more, but like I loved what I was doing. There's a lot of sacrifices in other ways. Yeah. That's how I feel with running my business. It's like I spend more time on that. It feels like a child. Like I spend more time doing this than anything else, but I love it. I love it. And yeah, there's parts of it that I hate, but like I love most of it. So okay, and you also got your MBA right? So what about having a business degree change your perspective on athletics, on just you existing in the world? Like what about getting your MBA change things for you? Yeah. And I feel like honestly, you'll be so proud of me that I got my MBA. I put that in there. I was like, guess what? Tori got my MBA. It's whatever. No, I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it. So I, we got free classes. So I have my uh, bachelor's in nursing and I passed my NCLEX so I'm a registered nurse. I've never used my degree yet. But through the U.S. Olympic Committee, which is who pays me, I get free classes through a online school. And so I told my dad, I was like, Dad, oh, I get free classes through this school. Like, should I take some? And he was like, Are you? Yeah, of course you should take some. Are you serious? Because not not many of my teammates take it. And so I was like, oh, Okay. So there wasn't wasn't any like classes for nursing specific, like a master's of nursing science or something more health related, because it was all online. And so there's only a master's of business with like a focus in health administration. So I kind of like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll go with that one. I have literally no passion for that. I was like, I, I don't really have like, was it super psyched to learn about accounting and stuff like that, uh, to be very honest. Like, but the thought of that I could learn more and get better. And I honestly will say that driving factor is that if I'm, when I'm done with rugby, when I'm in a hospital or whatever I'm doing, and there's a position for a hire to be a chief nursing officer, to be the CEO or whatever. I want to be one of the first in line. And I don't want to have wished I'd gotten my MBA. I don't want them to be like, well, this dude, if it's and if it's a man, ooh, if this man has all, all this, he's done all this. Well, oh, well, I've actually all done all this as well while being an Olympian. So that was a driving factor. And then it was just to learn more about myself as like a how I can be a better businesswoman and it's still like learning constantly because it was definitely a switch up from when I kind of went viral over the Olympics and who I am now so it's like in a year a lot of a lot has changed for me a lot's changed well and for us I think uniquely like for me TikTok completely changed my life like completely changed my life and my business and I feel I imagine it did the same for you so like what was your life like before blowing up on TikTok and what's it like now? Yeah, I mean, TikTok, I, I say it all the time, is the most powerful app out there. Like, it is amazing what it can do for people and what it's done for me. So my life, like before, was like all of us on the USA 7 team are just, we just want to put ourselves out there because we get paid through our Olympic committee. We get like bonuses through USA Rugby when we win tournaments and whatnot. But we're getting paid, you know, very below minimum as a lot of female athletes are who just are doing it because of this we're doing it because of pure passion for the sport like if you're i always say if you're in rugby for money you're in the wrong wrong sport and the wrong business because we weren't getting paid a lot but like the absolute love for the game and the love to grow and i always say like i'm i'm playing really not for myself I'm playing and trying to grow the game so that when other girls come in, they can have a hundred thousand dollar contract sometime one day, you know? So it was definitely a tough time. We all like, we're trying to, we'd get like free stuff and try to post free stuff and see if that helps. We were trying to grow on all sorts of different platforms. And then it wasn't until like early 
2020 when I was on TikTok. I didn't do any TikTok during the pandemic, but early 2020 when I was on TikTok at a rugby tournament in Spain and I started to see people react to it and they really were feeling it and some of the rugby content. I was like, okay, interesting. So I'm going to keep doing this. So I kept posting TikToks and within even like a couple days, I became known as a rugby TikTok girl. And then... I just kept kind of doing it. I remember that moment because I think that's how I discovered you. You had like the big viral video and I was like, you were just, and you, I want to give you credit. Maybe you did this intentionally, but you were so smart in how you went about, like you have a brain of a marketer, whether you know it or not. Like it was brilliant in terms of execution. Like it was very smart. Like you were very personable. Like, you know, it was right at the peak of people's interest, right? It was like the perfect time to post that kind of content and in the format that you did. Like it was brilliant. I just was honestly being myself. <laughs> I didn't think of it as like any way to like, if I do this, it's going to do this. Like, especially then we went to the Olympics and I knew that the Olympics were going to be a key time. I knew that people grow in the Olympics. Like people get, get famous and get more money from the Olympics. So that was really exciting. But we were first told you can't do anything in the Olympic village. You can't record anything in your rooms. You can't record anything in certain spaces. And so I was like, well, that sucks. Like, this would have been my time to really, like, put myself out there. And then, thankfully, the first day we got into the village and they're like, no, you can post things, but, like, you have to be smart about it and you have to wear a mask when you're in public areas. And I was like, when they said that, I was like, this is go time. So then I just, like, started thinking about how can I bring people in this? And the, the cardboard beds was the big thing. And so I was like, hey, guys, everyone come into this room and try out and do some weird stuff on the cardboard beds. And, like, that is what started it. And I mean, in the Olympics, like I just kind of posted what everybody was thinking and just kind of like everyone, we're in a village with the hottest people in the world. Yeah. We're all, we're all thirsting after each other. I'm just the one saying it. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it was just a really cool time and it was, it was a stressful time, but a very cool time at the Olympics. It was like the commentary that I wanted for NBC. Like that was the commentary I secretly wanted that you were giving, you know, of, yeah. What is it like to have all of these successful athletes who are yeah relatively young all hot just hanging out from a bunch of different countries it has to be like summer camp weirdly it's a it's a wild time we didn't get to do much because like we were only there for a certain amount of time covid and they had to leave two two days after whatever but i mean i can only imagine what it is usually like <laughs> yeah well and of course you know you're there to to play your sport but it's also like well i got some time i don't know let's see what happens Financial Feminist is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. When I started Her First 100K, I knew how important it was to protect not only my business, but myself as a business owner and all current and future team members. Business insurance gave me the peace of mind I needed as we continued to grow and scale. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. We've talked about this before, but I wear a 36G 
bra, <laughs> which makes finding a bra that is comfortable and that doesn't make me want to die and that is also cute almost impossible. So if you want a bra that is sexy and comfortable, Third Love is the answer. Third Love was designed to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. Third Love bras come in sizes AA through H, including exclusive half cups. This is like the only place you can get half cups. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. I have a couple third love bras and I have a couple more on the way. They're truly my favorite bra. Like ad or not, they are my favorite bra I've ever worn. They're incredibly comfortable and supportive, but also cute. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code podcast15. That's code podcast15 at thirdlove.com. We talked earlier about dating. I, of course, have had the experience as a successful woman of men being intimidated by me, by my financial stability, by a lot of things. I'm going to ask the question, assuming it's happened, are the men you're going on dates with ever intimidated by like you being an Olympian? Like, I imagine most most men, right, see a physically and emotionally very strong woman. And a lot of men, unfortunately, see that like very in a very intimate I think self-conscious is a good word I think a lot of guys definitely become a little self-conscious yeah when they hang out with me but I think I mean I haven't done many much dating well okay wait it's been a good couple months for me I will say for me I've always felt like men are very intimidated more by me physically that's a reason because I'm a very big woman I'm a very strong woman and then my personality is also can be very like loud and out there and I like to say what I want to say and be direct like you, you know, you at times like just, oh, this is what I'm feeling I'm going to say it. So that I've always felt like they've been intimidated in that sense. But I've also just kind of like learned to now just weed out the ones who are going to be self-conscious or intimidated. And the guys who like are really into me, like are just down with whatever I'm, I'm putting out. And that's what's really cool to me. But I, I love being like, no, I'll pick up this check. No, don't, don't worry. I got this. You know, the power I feel when I'm like, no, 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 you chill. I just, I just made a deal. Don't worry. Oh, it just courses through my veins, that power. Yep. Nope. I feel the same way. It's my favorite. I went on a date with such a sweetie and he like pulled out his card and he was like, and I could tell like he wanted to say something. And I was like, what's, what's up? What's on your mind? And he's like, I would really like to pay. Because that's important to me. Will you let me pay? And I was like, yeah, I'll let you pay. Sure. Like, that's fine. Because he knew, right? Financial feminine. Like, he's like, I don't want you to be offended, but I really, I would really like to pay. Can I pay? And I was like, yeah, you can 100% pay. And it was like so emotionally intelligent, so lovely. And I was like, yeah, you can pay. That's fine. It's, it was very sweet. It was very sweet. Okay. So when I think, especially prior to following you on TikTok, when I think Olympics, I think Simone Biles, Michael Phelps, like all of these people who have made a lot of money being Olympic athletes. Like, you know, the Olympic logo must be worth its weight in gold for these people. And so I think a lot of people listening might think, oh, when they're Olympic athletes, they've made it. And not only have they quote unquote made it, but they've made a ton of money. But 
for most folks, it's probably not the case. So how do Olympic athletes actually get paid? Yeah, that is a big rumor there that we're all spreading that Olympic athletes get a lot of money because a lot of my teammates are still like in the same place that we, we've been in. The way that athletes get money is through sponsorships and through deals in that nature, like promoting this on your channel, endorsements. endorsements yeah. right. So yeah. it's very interesting in that I, I see all these athletes who we just do, we go through all this, we run fitness tests, we put our bodies on the line, we are pretty much destroying our mental health in some ways for not that much money. And so it's really interesting, like the difference in payment, you know, between men and women, of course. And then just between like those athletes, like, like the Michael Phelps, Simone Biles, even the women's soccer team and us, I mean, the, the money is just so different. And for me, I've been able to, through TikTok, like make some money through those endorsements, but like my teammates, are, my teammates want to do the same thing and they want me to like give them advice. And I'm like, I don't know. Like it's all how you roll the dice. It's how you talk to people. It's how you present on social media. There's really, I don't really know if there's a formula for it. It's like, it's all about putting yourself out there and having a personality. So not only do you have to be great on the field and be work your ass off, you also have to be just a funny person and have to have a personality. If you're pretty, that's even better. You know, so it's like these athletes are expected to be literally the whole package to get, you know, quarters and dimes. Yeah. I was talking to, we had Queen Herbie. I don't know if you know her work because she's a musician. She's amazing. And also blew up on TikTok. I've been following her career for 10 years and is now a friend of mine. And we had her on the podcast and like she was talking about, like, you can't just be a good musician. You have to be like your own hype person. You have to be, you know, the person who's on TikTok. She's like, you cannot get a record deal now without blowing yourself up on TikTok first. You can't get played on the radio without blowing yourself up on TikTok. And it feels like kind of the same thing where it's like, it's not enough to just be an incredibly successful athlete. It's like with the asterisks, oh, if you want to make money at this thing, you actually have to spend all of this other time hyping yourself up, building a brand. That, that's a lot. It is a lot. And it's so true. I think like surface level attractiveness as well in athletes is like something that people look for. Like you could be the best player on a team and have the best, especially for women, the best, you score all the points, you do all this, you have the best step. But if you're not hot, it's like, oh, it's just, it's very interesting. Right. Or if you're not performing femininity in a certain way. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. It's like you, especially like female athletes, you have to have every, every little thing about you works. And so for me, I thankfully have a personality that works for TikTok and that has put me out there and people really respond to. But I also have to like, I try to do like show myself really fem feminine, pretty on TikTok because like I want people to also like me in that way. So it's like trying to be everything all at once is very hard and, and time consuming. Well, and I think any any person on TikTok, any person on social media, but especially women, there is the element of you kind of have to play the game even if you yes. don't want to. Like I went to an event, I, I was flown out for this beautiful event a couple weeks ago in New York and it was very much like a traditional influencer event. And I walked in and like, a, I looked great, but I walked in in a $15 Banana Republic dress and Adidas and everybody else had gotten like full glam done, bought new outfits. And I was like, shit, is this what I'm quote unquote supposed to be doing? Like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing in order 
like I ultimately I don't care but it's also like am I hurting my career by not performing femininity in a certain way and like how shitty is that it's it's really tough and coming from a sport like rugby which is thought of as a very masculine sport very like and I think that's something that I maybe am not only trying to prove to others but also like prove to myself that I'm feminine because I feel very feminine I feel like beautiful but like I want others to feel that way about me as well and that's where I get into like really wanting people to like me and wanting people to see the sides of me but it is like oh is that is that what I'm supposed to look like is that what femininity is and is that what you know is right for me so I feel that it's it's tough right and it's like do I participate knowing that I will make more money if I participate in yeah in femininity the way it's expected versus what if that's not true to myself right or what if like it's not true at the level that I need to do yeah I struggle with that I struggle with that too of like people expect me to show up a certain way I show up on social media all the time without makeup and I always get a comment about it and like ultimately I don't care but then right my brain the the marketer the person who is good at making money part of my brain goes like did you just lose out on money because you don't look quote unquote professional? Which men don't have to deal with those men tuck in their shirts. Like <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. And I always thought too, like if I don't look pretty on social media, like, well, guys aren't going to want me because I don't look pretty. I'm like, honestly, that's so wrong. It's so wrong. I just, I, I was always afraid about that. When I post a video, I'm like, oh man, I look like absolute crap in this video. They're going to not, guys won't like me. It's like, okay, that's just wrong. If you find the right people, they'll like you. Yep. And it's patriarchal bullshit, right? It's the patriarchy being like, again, perform femininity in this certain way. And the and the it's always, or you won't find a man, right? And this assumes, of course, that that people who identify as women even want men, right? So maybe you're, you know, gender non-binary, maybe you are into women, right? But I think that that's always the the thing and that's what the trolls come for first and i don't know if that's as ever for you i'm sure you get comments about your body right and for me it's always like why are you doing this you won't find a man no man will ever want to marry you and i'm like yeah sweet okay. honestly <laughs> yeah i don't need a man yeah i'm doing great i'm doing great for myself <laughs> yeah that's that's always the addendum my comments are always you look wise you're are you a man what you look so masculine or whatever and that's like i always say like hey say those things to me you say them because I'd rather you say them to me. It's what makes me mad is that they're saying this to other young girls. Like if you'd said that to a young Alona in high school, middle school, she would have been like, Oh no, I'm, I, I feel very feminine. I, I'm like a girl. So like say that shit to me. But if you say that to young girls, that grinds my gears like no other, because I know it's just a, a, a man or a young boy behind their computer who thinks they're so cool. And that's what, Oh, Oh, I'll fight somebody. No, and one, turn it into content. That's what I do with my hate comments. And typically they go viral. It's great. And I look at you and I'm like, that is, that's the kind of strength that like, I want to see a diversity of body types for women. I want to see women be strong. And again, in a patriarchal society that has told us to literally shrink ourselves to be as small as possible, somebody standing in their power, but especially standing in their power physically, that's fucking incredible. Like that's incredible. So, I, yeah, I get mad for you. I'm like, no, no. Those comments, no, thank you. <laughs> I brought up Michael Phelps, Simone Biles, all these people in these, like, classic primetime sports, right? Gymnastics, swimming. Do you feel like you have to fight harder for pay and endorsement deals than someone 
in a primetime sport? It's almost like I don't really get deals for the sport I play, though. Like for me and my teammates, we aren't, we're not, because rugby's not out there, we just don't get deals like that. Like soccer players, if you're on the national soccer team, if you're doing swimming, like you're getting deals for that. But I'm really getting deals because I'm a TikToker. And like that's something that like really sucks is like people call me a content creator and I'm like, no, I'm an athlete who happens to do TikTok. But we and my teammates aren't really getting deals for rugby and being athletes so much as I'm getting deals for being on TikTok, an influencer. Yeah. So athletes kind of second. I make more money as a TikToker than as an athlete, which really sucks. And I think it's kind of changing the landscape kind of for athletes as well. Like all athletes who are in these niche sports want to be on these apps because they're not, companies aren't going to sponsor a rugby team because they don't really know rugby, but they are going to sponsor a girl who has a lot of followers on TikTok because they know that'll get them out there. So especially in America, rugby is just not big. And we'll go to other countries like we're going to South Africa for the World Cup and you're a star there. Rugby players are the stars there. But here, like we're my team and I walk down the street, they have no idea who we are. So I don't think it's kind of interesting now I'm thinking about it. It's like we're not getting sponsored because we're rugby players. You you're getting sponsored because of a social media presence. Does that make you feel bitter at all? I don't know if it's bitter. It's just like I think at times you're just think, man, you work so hard. And like especially for rugby, like we put our bodies on the line, we get tackled, we're on the ground, we're getting up and it, it hurts a lot. And like I just feel bad because we do so much on field but like that's not translating to more money for it's just kind of like you just kind of plateau so that's why I call my you know doing TikTok my other job because it is yeah that's again where we're like trying to make it so that these girls can just focus on rugby and make money and not have to do all sorts of different income sources you know right Well, and I think about the fact that, to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have known your name had I not come across you on TikTok. 100%. Right? And so I I have friends in in the UK who, yeah, played rugby, love rugby. I think, yeah, specifically in the United States, that's, you know, more of a niche sport. But, it you know, it's no less significant than everything else. Yes. At the Olympics. And I just, yeah, I just feel like that sucks so hard for you to, like, work so hard and be like... I mean, I feel like anybody listening, there was probably somebody, you know, who had that in their life where, oh, the thing I'm really passionate about is not the thing that makes me money. I think we've all had that experience at some point, right? The thing I love, the thing I spend the most time doing, the thing that I'm good at, the thing that I've put so much time and effort into is not the thing that's actually paying the bills. And like, that sucks. It does suck because it's like, as you're doing, it's like, why am I doing this? Like, to... Do, and do it for such a little amount. And I, I am one of the more higher paid just for rugby on my team because like there's like, you know, tiers and we get paid through a certain amount. So like I am one of those who make the more money just from the rugby. Can you talk to me through, I didn't know there were tiers. Like how does that work? So we get paid through like the Olympic committee. And so on my team, there's people who have full contracts. So we get paid, you know, not not anything wild. You get like a monthly thing each month before taxes, it's no taxes are taken out. So we're all independent contractors. So when tax season comes around, you want to shoot yourself in the foot. Right. You own your own business as a, as a Olympic athlete. So I, there's like tiers, like people who are like on the top tier, like we are the ones who like, we get paid the most. We have 
we don't live on, we don't have anything paid for. We don't have our housing paid for. Why not? We have, we find our own housing in San Diego, which is, I think, the most expensive city to live in in the U.S. right now. Definitely top five. Definitely top five. Yeah. Um, and then there's like another tier of people who are a little bit below that, like a tier below that. And then there's like some girls who live in housing that the rugby team provides and they get like a smaller stipend every month. And so like what people are doing is like, you're trying to make your way up those tiers by becoming that player who like gets invited to every tournament, who's kind of a, a really valuable part of the team. And that was like, that's my thing is like, I want to be at every tournament. I want to play in every game and I want to be the best I can be, whether that's being the best player in the world or just being the best person for my team. So I've moved up pretty much when I came in, I lived on site on in housing, then moved up to a bigger contract, then was moved up to a bigger contract. And now I'm at the highest contract. So it's all just kind of like you want to like keep fighting for that spot to get up. But then there's already, it's already filled with some girls. So like, you know, you can only move as, as far, but are you going to move some girls down? So it's, it's really an interesting time because it's all about performance. It's all about how well you're playing. And so if you know some, but if something happens, thankfully we have longer contracts now. They go for like a year or they can go for a longer time. They used to be like for three months. So if you weren't, if they did, coach didn't like you after three months, you know, injured. And thankfully that's why it's great to have contracts that are of a longer period of time. So then nothing changes at that. I mean, after, say you're still injured through your contract ending. I think it's going to go back to like who you are as a player and how you're looking on your recovery journey because we have the best trainer in the world. Like our trainer is the best. So if you work with her, they'll put you back on the field and just remembering who you are before your injury, because we play a sport where injuries are just really prevalent. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. The first investment we ever made in her first 100K was signing up for a Squarespace account way back in 2016. And if they were the first place I spent my hard-earned money to start my business, you know that it was a worthwhile investment. Squarespace makes making a website really easy even if you don't know how to code, especially when you don't know how to code. You can use their blogging tools to be able to communicate effectively to your audience with stories, photos, videos. You can also use your online store to sell products like your merch or physical or digital products. You can also use their analytic tools to figure out how to grow your business, where are people coming from, how long are they staying. So you can build a marketing strategy based on some of the top keywords or most popular products and your content. Head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your brand new website, go to squarespace.com slash ffpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Yeah, I, um, what was it? I, I studied abroad in Ireland. Um, do you know about hurling? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You can probably describe it better than I can. It was like rugby, but somehow more violent. They use wooden like, paddles. It's insane. I had never seen this before. It was like rugby mixed with lacrosse mixed with, I don't even fucking know. They probably carted. I only stayed for like half a game, maybe three quarters. They carted half of the players off the field due to injuries. I could not believe it. I was like, how is this legal? It was the most violent thing I've ever seen in my life. It was incredible to watch, but yeah. And I think about the injuries of something like that constant. Yeah. And that's again, like we do this because we just absolutely love it. And like, this is what we want to be doing. Yeah. So you play outside of the Olympics. Are you paid a salary for that? Any perks that are paid out for playing out of that? No. So for the Olympics, you get paid if you medal at the Olympics. 
I think a gold is something like you only wait, you only get paid if you medal. Yeah. What? So I think a medal is like 30 something. Yeah. Gold is 30 something. Silver's 20 something. Bronze is like 15 or something like that. You only get paid if you medal. That somehow makes every, every Olympic like close call so much more painful. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think about all the people who didn't get on the podium or all the people who got silver, like barely, like, oh. Yeah, it's wild. And like for the U.S., the thing is, though, we U.S. sends, I think, the most athletes of any delegation. So we have so many athletes. That's why, like, America's like, win gold or nothing. Freaking suck if you don't win gold, you know? Like, but that's because it is a lot on the line. And, like, we don't get paid as much as some countries do, which I've seen a lot of TikToks, people like, people in the Philippines get a million dollars if they win gold. Well, to me, it's like, it's very different because there's only like really one, I think only one athlete in like the last Olympics from the Philippines won a medal. Whereas the United States, like we are pumping out medal winners. And so it's definitely wild, but like, and it, it is a great way to give you motivation to win that money. But I am honestly, it's really cool to say that I'm not motivated by money at all for this sport because I mean, I get to travel the world. And like do the coolest things. Like I'd rather be doing that and getting paid not much than sitting in a desk and not getting to go and be outside, train, work on my fitness constantly. So a lot of a lot of trade trade ups you gotta do. Yeah. Well, and it's not yeah. I, I'm realizing just how much of it is paid on performance. Even to like your rank on the team to how much are you getting paid if you medal versus if you don't versus like gold versus silver versus bro like that's insane crazy you've already talked about this we publicly know especially like the the soccer teams for men and women are men paid different than women are they paid on a different scale what does that look like break that down for us so on our team through the u.s olympic committee they are i think we're paid the same we have like the same kind of tier system the difference is, is that the men have more opportunities to make more money because they have more tournaments. So we only, next year we're going to have like seven tournaments. They're going to have something wild like 11. So that means they have three or four more, four more times to make possibly $5,000 each if they win first. And then they get- So 20, 20K more potentially. Potentially, yeah. So they get- and then you get like a bonus for going to it, like just a bonus if you're selected for the tournament. And then if you win, if you place one to five, you get a certain amount of money through that tournament. So like, I think we all get paid the same just by the, like our base, but because of their, they're getting so much more opportunities to make money and go play. So whereas we're missing out on that $500 just for selection fee or whatever it is, they can go out and try for that 5,000. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I talked about, like, I mentioned primetime sports. Do you feel like if you played a more quote-unquote feminine sport, you would be better compensated? I don't know, honestly. I think it's really not even about that. It's, like, how well these sports are marketing themselves and putting them out there, and especially how are they winning. The U.S. soccer team is so great in that they're getting people to come watch their sports. If you watch, like, this documentary on them, I think they're called the 99ers. I've watched that a couple of times, yeah. but they did. There's the one on HBO. What is it? LFG. Let's fucking go. Yeah. I think on HBO max. 
Yeah. Yes, I've seen that one. And then there's another one too, like early on about like how in the 99, how they've like grew you rug soccer. I think for me to grow a sport like that, that not really even about femininity is that like you need to win. And in, in US, the US culture, we like winning, we like gold. So to get your sport on the map, you have to be a winning team. And that's something that I, I've realized, like, it doesn't matter if we're the best people, if we're great players, if we're not winning, people don't care, especially in the US. So No, you're so right. Because I think about, yeah, like Megan Rapino and all these players. I think the reason their case was so strong is it wasn't just like, we're underpaid, which should have been enough to get pay equality. It was like, we're underpaid. And we are way better than the men's team. Like we consistently win. So it, yeah, it's like not enough to just have the on par, right? It's the always like, you can't just be good. You have to be five, 10 times better, right? So like, it should have just been enough of high. We're not compensated at the same rate that they are, but specifically we're not compensated at the same rate and we're way fucking better. Yes. So that's it. It's like men will get paid regardless. We need to be the best players, the prettiest, the most well-spoken, the most attractive, and then we'll get paid what we are deserving. So, like, it's kind of this, like, very hard time, but playing a sport that we didn't grow up playing, so we're not – we don't think it. We don't aren't as good as it, but, like, we want the sport to grow, so we have to win. So it's that extra pressure on us. So you got to win to make money. Yeah. Does that ever get to you? I get very stressed sometimes when I'm like, oh gosh, we're going to, if we don't, if we don't start winning consistently, they'll pull off, pull our funding. Or if we don't qualify for the Olympics, like this program could be shut down. Like it, it scares me all the time because and not only, as again, not only for myself, but for those other girls, like who I want them to have a chance to do this and to be able to be a professional rugby player in the U S and the thought of it, it feels on my shoulders to like make sure this program continues and that, you know, we, I, I want us to medal so bad at like the World Cup and the Olympics so that it can show us that, okay, these girls are deserving of continuing to be sponsored. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's, it's like the pressure of not just how am I performing, but how is my performance affecting everybody else and affecting the perception of this sport nationally and globally? And then the added pressure of I'm trying to pave a way for future girls or future women athletes so that they don't necessarily have to go through all of this that's a, a lot, lot a lot <laughs> a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah well and with tiktok how are you finding the balance of that like how are you making that something that's sustainable with playing rugby at a professional level i think of it just as another job for myself like people are i was just made tiktok on it people i was asking like oh how do you grow on tiktok how do you do this? I'm like well first off be funny and then second, you have to think of it as like, you have to put in the time to do it because it's not just something that you can post one TikTok and you'll get like, you have to do it. And I, three to five videos a day, three to five all, videos a yeah. day. And like, you need to be, you need to be on the app. You need to be finding trends. You need to be doing all the stuff. Like my teammates used to kind of make fun of me for the TikTok. Like, oh, look at low making TikToks. And then they're like, oh, wait a second. She's making money. Yep. That was the same thing with me. It was like, oh, you're giving financial advice on TikTok. It's still kind of this thing of like, it's not legitimate. Like people don't see me, I think, as more legitimate. And I was like, yeah, but the amount of money I've made on TikTok blows everything else out of the water. And it's the reason we have a successful podcast. And it's the reason I have a book deal. And it's the reason I have all of these things. For sure. So. And it's just like, I just think of it as I don't, I love it too. I like being on TikTok. I like bringing my personality to life on there, but it is work. 
And I think people are realizing that now, like how much work I put into it. And I mean, you can make fun of me all you want for my TikTok, but I just signed this deal. So, or like, I, I work with like some makeup brands and I'll wear like lipstick during practice and like, why are you wearing lipstick? And I'm like, if only you knew, if only you knew. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, cause I just got paid a lot of money to do it. So yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's something that I think people are finally seen as more legitimate. And then when you start realizing the, for me that like financial advice on TikTok is like meeting people where they are of, okay, if they're on TikTok and they need this info, then I should, I, I may as well be on TikTok, especially since that's my target demo. I'm not going to go spend a bunch of time on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm not going to go spend a ton of time on Reddit. Like that's not where my audience is. They're on TikTok. And if, you know, they're already there for, I don't know, dance videos or whatever, you know, they can be there for financial advice too. In terms of making money and figuring out brand deals, like how do you go about that? I think like one thing that I do on TikTok or one thing I've always done is really undervalue myself. Like I, when people are like, oh, what's your race? Like for the beginning time there, I was like, oh, you know, I, yeah, I'll do a TikTok. I can do an Instagram, a TikTok, and I'll do Instagram stories for $5,000. All of that for $5,000. And like, to me, I was like, that's a lot. I shouldn't ask too much of these companies. They may say no. And then that's been a very interesting time of like people having to tell me like, stop undervaluing yourself. You are worth so much more than that. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I am. I don't want it. I don't yep. want to impose. You are. You are. I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still learning. I have literally become the person in the past two years because a bunch of people have blown up who have never done this before, who have never negotiated, who you know don't know how to con you know talk to a brand. I've become like the resident person that like gets the DMs. Like people will slide my DMs and be like, "Hi, I have three million followers, and this brand wants to pay me five hundred. Is that good?" And I'm like, "No, no, it's not." But there's no sort of transparency. Now there's companies out there that are starting to build like the glass door for influencers, but like, I think we're still a long ways off to where that's actually information that is, is useful and super helpful at like a larger level. But I think that that's the huge thing where no one knows what they should be charging. And in addition, most content creators, most influencers are women who we've been conditioned to just be grateful and not ask for more money. And then companies have been like, oh, why is she asking for more? That's crazy and ridiculous. She doesn't just want free product. That, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> she can't pay her. She can't pay her rent and uh, exposure. That makes sense. To I, I just said now with like everyone, I get all these like, oh, free product. Well, do you want a most big tanker for free product? And I'm like, oh, thanks so much. I actually don't do that. I will totally do this for this amount. And what's been really great is I actually have an agent now who I work with who she's a woman. I was working with a male agent and I didn't like the way he kind of talked with me. And I realized I want someone who's going to represent me in a boardroom with a company like who actually is kind of like who I vibe with, who's something like me as well. So I work with this woman who she does all my kind of negotiating with companies now and what she's able, how she's able to word it is something I would never say. Like, or is she like, Oh man, I can't wait to create this lasting partnership with you. Alona is so excited to work with you. Can we move it to this much money to continue? Cause she's a female athlete. And like the way that she says things, I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're so right. Like I just, I love her and I love how she's like, able to get me more money because I, that's something I would do. I'd be like, okay, well, let me offer like 6,000 for this. No, offer them. Say you'll do it for 13. 
If they come back with nine, say you'll do it for, you know, 11, 12. So that's been very tough for me because one thing my sisters who are also, my sisters help me a lot and they also want me to, you know, value myself is that I'm not just a TikToker. I'm an Olympian too. So that I think you, I like, okay, yes, companies want you're a TikToker, but you're so much more than that. It's the credibility. It's the credibility. Yeah. It's the, it's the logo behind it of, yeah, Olympic athlete. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And um, I think the two things that I tell anybody who's negotiating anything, whether that's, you know, you're at your nine to five, you're an entrepreneur, always ask them what their budget is first. Because the amount of times like I have gotten myself, especially early in my career when I didn't do that, I would ask for, you know, let's say $5,000 and then find out, oh, actually I could have gotten 10 (laughs) or I could have gotten 20, you know? So what is your budget is like magic. And it's also helpful when people go, oh, we don't have a budget because they have to say, we want you to work for free. If you go, oh, I'm, I, it sounds like a great product. Sounds like a really exciting opportunity. What's your budget? And then they go, um, actually, I, I don't have a budget. And then it's like, yeah, you sound stupid. Don't you, th- don't you think you sound stupid? <laughs> and then I think the second thing to your point about like the credibility is that it's so much not just about your influence and about your follower count. It's about the amount of time it's taking you to create this content. You're basically a one person marketing agency. You're the one person who's writing and posting and engaging with that content and doing potential reshoots and coming up with a concept. And like you are a one person, or if you have a team, you know, you are a marketing agency as an influencer, as a content creator. In addition to the credibility and the followers and all of the clout, you know, that you talking about this product on your platform gives you. And I just wish more people thought of it like that. And the agent thing is interesting too. Yeah. Cause I get most of my deals come directly to me right now. So like, first I'm like, well, why do I need an agent? Like everything I'm getting is coming to me. So I want to keep all the money, which is great, but I, then I'm not getting as much money as I could be getting. <laughs> so that my agent now, like she's getting me so much more money than I would get. Yes. I have to give her some of that, but like creating this partnership together has just been great. And like, just, I think shows like having someone who knows what your value is when you don't is just will up your game so much more. And you're weirdly powerful when you're having somebody else negotiate on behalf of you. It almost like, you know, you like are one step removed from it. Yeah, I won't be on the call, but my agent will. I'm really busy right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. My admin manager, like there's something about that, right? And I've also heard, I've actually tried this a little bit, is having folks uh, email on behalf of you and then using a male name. I've had so many people who have done that and like gotten better results when it's Scott emailing as opposed to... That's so wild. I know, yeah, Ashley yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah. it drives me crazy. Um Okay, so you have your BSN, you have your MBA. Is that the plan once you've retired from the sport? It always was the plan to go into nursing and then with the BSN it's, or with the MBA, it's now like, okay, to be a chief nursing officer or to have a really higher position and maybe not even in nursing, just be in business in some way. But it's been definitely an interesting change up now with the influencer content creator, like how many different paths you can take with that as well. So that's been something. But for me, like I want to play rugby for as long as I can. And I'm definitely going for Paris 2024, which is the next Olympics. And then, you know, after that, there's the Olympics in, is in LA in 2028. And like to play in a home Olympics like that is something that I might 
sacrifice my body for to play out there in LA. So that's something I'm also thinking about, but definitely taking some time off. I would love to actually take like a time off to focus a little bit more on the content creator side and what I could actually do if I literally could do it 24 set, like as a, just my job, because I think maybe I could grow a little bit, really focus on that. But it's also a very scary time because being a content creator from what I know from some of my friends on TikTok and whatnot, it's like, you don't really know what your income is going to be. Whereas I do still have the income from rugby. So I do know I'm going to get that. But with the TikTok, it's like, hopefully I get an email from this company and they want to pay me, you know, so that's a very stressful time. But I have a lot of things I want to do. And now with this platform, I really think I can do it. I think about other Olympic athletes who like went on to commentate. Is that a thing for rugby? Definitely a lot of opportunities to commentate. But like, that's what I think is kind of interesting is like a lot of people try to take that route because that's like one of the few ways you can really stay in rugby is by being commentator. So like, everyone tries to slightly get into that realm. And I, and I would love to be a spokesperson for something for more rugby. One thing I am doing, and I would actually want to talk to you about is like, I'm writing a book myself. I was like, sat down on Saturday night. And I was like, let me just, I'll just write something too. And then I realized like, because I always thought I didn't have enough to tell. And then you start writing, you're like, you know what I do. And I have a lot that I want to share. And like, I want to be very real in, in the book. I'm just being very real. And like truly just speaking from who I am. So like, I'd love to get that out there. It's not going to be a very inspirational book. I'm just trying to be as real as possible. <laughs> but that's a certain niche that'll, yeah, but that'll work great, right? Because everybody's read those books already. Like, I, we don't need another one of those books. No, and I think especially having any sort of social media audience is, again, I was talking about Queen Herbie of like, you don't get played on the radio unless you blow yourself up on TikTok first. It's very similar with a lot of like book and podcast deals of it's a lot easier to get deals and to create shows or other things that are successful if you already have a social media following like way easier because it's less risk it's just like you know you asking for a loan right you go into the bank and you're like hi i would like i would like money and they're like what's your credit score right because they're looking at like how responsible are you how are we going to get our money back? It's very similar with a book deal because you're presenting like, hi, you're going to give me all this money up front and then I'm going to write this book that hopefully sells. A lot easier to guarantee that if you have an audience of people who you know will read it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited. I've been talking with my agent, but I think also my agent, like we don't really know how to go about it, but like I want to figure that out sometime and like see what I can do because it's it's very cathartic at times writing as well. So... We'll see if, if I, maybe next year, I don't know. If you're a business owner, you know that you have a million things to think about all of the time. You've got your team that's buried with a bunch of work. It's taking forever to figure out where your invoices are coming from. And getting to one source of truth about your data is like pulling teeth. So if this is you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And finally, number one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margin. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ffpod. That's netsuite.com slash ffpod to get your own KPI checklist, netsuite.com slash ffpod.
Couple last questions for you. What misconceptions about being a woman athlete in rugby do you wish you could clear up? I think for me, and this goes back to a hashtag that I have, hashtag BeastBeautyBrains is my hashtag. And I feel as though they put a lot of athletes in a box. As I already talked about, they put us in a box as like, we're masculine and we're, but we don't care about anything. And, but I want to be known like, I, the, the most beautiful people I know, the funniest, the smartest people I know are athletes. So we're not just, you know, great at a sports, you know, we're not like dumb and just play sports. Like we have so much more about us. Yeah. And being coming from a, a sport like rugby where everyone's like, oh, you're, you must be a lesbian. Oh, you're all this, that they just come in with these stereotypes about you. It's like rugby players are so diverse and we're so different. We have so much about us that are more than just being a rugby player. So that's why, like, I love to be a beast on a field, but I'll also wear lipstick at practice. I'm very smart. I've gotten my MBA. So I just don't like being put in a box. You know, they do that with any female athlete, any soccer player, you know, a uh, tennis player. So athletes, that's just a small, smallest part of who we are. Yeah. And the stereotype of what people expect you to be based on, yeah, the, the idea that they have in their heads. I feel like, yeah, whether you're an athlete or not, women are constantly <laughs> expected to be one thing, you know? What do you hope moving forward for women in athletics? I mean, for myself, for my teammates, just to have a sustainable career, that it can be a career and that they can live comfortably, especially in those niche sports where they can't make it. I think Allison Felix is doing a good job also with being able to have a child and still play sports. That hasn't really been done on my team before. We haven't had anyone, anyone who's had a child, it's, it's been a very tough time or like people have like quit because they've had child or they've like had the child and haven't come back from it. So that is something like that's, I would love to have a kid just to show people like, <laughs> no, you can do this. I look at the men's team and some of these men's players have three kids and they can just do what they want to do. Whereas us like women, we can't really do that. You couldn't have three kids and do what we do. Well, and just beyond, you know, the the actual parenting of a child, the physical expectation or the physical commitment to having children alters your body in a way that you can't really come back from. Just rip your abs in half, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and even if you have like a relatively, you know, traumatic free pregnancy, like you're still you're literally birthing another person. So I literally, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think I, I hope that too. <laughs> I hope that you're able to, yeah, to, to celebrate all of the things you want to do as, you know, a woman while also being able to be an athlete, you know, and yeah. having, having both of those things or all of those things. Thank you for being here. Where can people find you and connect with you? Thank you. Um, on TikTok, as you know, they may have heard or not, I do a little on TikTok. Uh, it's Addy Lonamar. And then I do Instagram, of course, Addy Lonamar as well. I sometimes say funny things on Twitter, but not often. And then I think one thing is just like, if you can check out rugby whenever we play, it's sometimes hard to watch. But if there's a rugby game on, check it out. If we're playing a tournament, tune in if you can. Like, I think if more people got to see what this sport is like, they'd be like, this is cool. And I'll keep doing my thing, you know, the Olympics is in two years. So maybe I'll do a little bit there as well. I love it. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. It was great. 
Thank you once again to Alona for joining us for today's episode. We had this conversation almost six months ago, and since then, she has launched an incredible merch line in which all proceeds benefit Girls Rugby Inc., which works to empower more girls to see themselves as leaders and to help them build the confidence they need to thrive on and off the field, all while learning the game of rugby. So make sure to check out her website or donate directly to Girls Rugby Inc. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy to see y'all's faces. And we can't wait to see you soon. Talk to you later, Financial Feminist. Thank you for listening to Financial Feminist, a Her First 100K podcast. Financial Feminist is hosted by me, Tori Dunlap, produced by Kristen Fields, marketing and administration by Karina Patel, Sharice Wade, Alina Helzer, Paulina Isaac, Sophia Cohen, Valerie Oresco, Jack Koning, Khalil Dumas, Elizabeth McCumber, Beth Bowen, and Amanda LaFew. Research by Ariel Johnson, audio engineering by Austin Fields, promotional graphics by Mary Stratton, photography by Sarah Wolf, and theme music by Jonah Cohen Sound. A huge thanks to the entire Her First 100K team and community for supporting the show. For more information about Financial Feminist, Her First 100K, our guests, and episode show notes, visit financialfeministpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at financialfeministpodcast. This podcast is sponsored by Squarespace. You can use Squarespace's online store, their digital downloads, their analytics, their blogging tools to be able to serve your audience in the best way possible. Head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash ffpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.